Laughing louder, digging deeper, living larger. It is no apology with the Bible Idiots. We're Chris and Emily Danielson. So glad that you are with us today for the podcast. The podcast we are going to do Monday. Today, the Chris and Emily Show. Wednesday will be long-form teaching. Then Friday will be the Chris and Emily Show. And today, we are going to do news to amuse with what we call a spiritual flip. And Emily only knows that the last story of my news to amuse is about happiness. And she has come up with some circumstance-type scripture she wants to share with you. Wednesday's long-form program that is going to be about second timothy chapter four and it is about paul's post-game interview as he's walking off the field (laughs) of life and it's really good um it's just a good scripture it's good insight i don't know if the sermon is really good because i preached it and you never know well it's pretty cool you know paul going through his life as a christian and then he's got all these letters and you can just kind of you can follow his journey through those letters the tones over time change and you know and, and you get a feel when you get into those letters to timothy that the end is coming and and he knows it yeah. and and uh so it's very interesting to read those letters. and then friday we'll have devotions in motion and mailbag and that's basically the new weekly lineup for no apology with the bible idiots go. but news to amuse and i want to get sounders going you know i want i want to take dun, this dun, show dun, to dun, the next dun, dun, dun. step because we used to do the show live on the radio i had yeah. a full soundboard a full computer right loaded with sound effects. <laughs> well, I woke up this morning with Donnie and Marie's I'm a little bit country, I'm a little bit rock and roll song stuck in my head. How did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was driving me nuts though. Uh, but yeah, we could use that for a for our opening. <laughs> I've got six news to amuse stories. Now, these are not gut busters. Not all of them are are full of yucks. It's just amusing kind of news stories. And Emily's laughing because she knows that one time I went to... You always to... pause before you say that. You always pause. I always pause to say I hear that being, buster. yeah, you have to make sure yes. you pronounce that right. Yes, because on a radio show with an audience of about 100,000 people, <laughs> I said butt guster. True story, <laughs> yeah. too, yeah. yeah you know, you, it's common when you, yeah. when you switch the two first letters on something. Somebody was telling us about they were doing a they were doing a um, fundraising on, on air, yeah. and they were asking people to be a faith partner, yes. and they were getting really tired. You know, people that do this, you, you're yes. on air for a long Please time. Please be a faith partner. Give us and, money, triple A, triple A. Yeah, Please. the same thing happened. Instead of faith partner, he said faith partner. Of course, everybody falls out laughing, and so Chris, he didn't realize he said it. He no. couldn't understand why people yeah. were laughing. I wish I was there. I wish I could have saw that. Well, one. Chris, you—I mean, you went from gut buster <laughs> to butt guster in a, yeah. inadvertently. Here's the reality, though, and this yeah. is what makes it so sad. Butt guster isn't even in the top <laughs> ten of the worst things that I've mispronounced or missaid on a stage or behind a microphone over the last 20 years it's not even in the top 10 i know i mean, i haven't i have not thought about that in years <laughs> and when you had that pause and you said the and you said gut buster oh the memories came flooding back yeah, yeah again in no particular amazing. order other than just the way that i uh, cut and pasted these stories into a word document <laughs> okay six through one here we go wacky but true burglar falls asleep in home that's number six okay in spain a burglar fell asleep in front of the tv after eating several plates of food in an apartment he'd broken into okay the owner of the apartment returned home to find the man asleep on the sofa with the tv on oh my thinking it was his son he was about to put a blanket over him (laughs) 
for warmth when he saw it was an intruder and then tiptoed out and called the police that oh, came and busted my him. God. Well, you are supposed to take a siesta. Maybe it was just siesta time. Maybe he it had, was just siesta time. He had nowhere time. to go, so, you I'm know. in the middle of my job, which is stealing. <laughs> I better... Better take a siesta. <laughs> number five actually has a bunch of other numbers in it, so be careful. Number five in our stories is four in ten adults can't stop working no matter where they are. Four in ten. Well, you'd be in with that four nah, group. I, I, can, I can sometimes shut her down. <laughs> Life is all about balance, and one of the most important balancing acts of adults' day-to-day existence is separating work life and home life. Yep. Unfortunately, many modern workers just don't know when to take a break. Even if they're home and the workday is over, they're still checking email. I do that all the time. Yeah. That's the that's the main finding from a survey that found a staggering 40% just cannot stop working. That's the survey bad. also found that one in six employees spend more than 11 hours a week focusing on their job outside the office, typically checking their emails and making calls. Yeah, you know what? I was going to say technology is the is the catalyst for that i mean yeah you know you had your home phone number and nobody at work other than you know your boss and some file somewhere had your home phone number but now whether you're at home or Mm -hmm. whether you're at work wherever you are it's all it's all my phone my phone my phone i remember there was like three or four years where i would only check email when i got to my desk there's a certain time during the day you know and i remember we were uh told that this concert was going to change and the guy said i emailed you i said i've been out i i I don't have email on my phone. Yeah. Oh, you don't? And I realized most people are getting email on their phone. This was right. like 2008, yeah. you know? This wasn't yesterday. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> now we do everything now on our phone. we do everything on our and phone. And we cannot catch a break. Number right? four, running a marathon could help you live longer. Oh. Need another reason to sign up for a marathon? Research suggests training and running a marathon for the first time could reverse some of the effects of aging on our bodies. Researchers found that for the uh, 138 healthy first-time marathon runners they tracked, training and completing the London Marathon was associated with a four-year reduction in their vascular age. Specifically, they found that marathon training reversed the age-relating stiffening of the body's main artery and helped reduce their blood pressure. That totally makes sense, but do we really have to do a marathon? I mean, that's so much work. It's a lot of running. It's <laughs> a lot of effort. You're and running really everywhere. it cuts into my sitting around time. <laughs> so I don't know. I got another thief. This one's my favorite thief story of the okay. week. Okay. It's, uh, it's true. Thieves steal homework. Oh. Yeah, this was in South Africa. Three blundering South African thieves came up short after they successfully robbed a school principal at the school but made off with the wrong bag of loot. Uh, the men forced their way into the principal's office at gunpoint, held the headmaster and two secretaries, Ooh. piling jewelry, money, and contents of the school safe into a black briefcase. Mm-hmm. Turning to flee, one of the robbers grabbed the wrong black briefcase, escaping instead with the principal's bag stuffed with homework. Oh, wow. And the children celebrated. <laughs> well, it was, it was a mean, miracle. <laughs> Can you, can they you imagine they yeah. get away and all of a sudden, oh, 
It looks like it's math. I know. It's fifth grade math. Einstein's theory of relativity. What was this? I mean, to me, that is a I cool divine. That. In, that's a cool divine intervention in, yeah, the, in the middle of, of a horrible situation. Very and, ironic. You know, it had to be kind of a wild thing. Anyway, number two of our right. stories today. Yes. And this is uh, <laughs> research about can you read women? Okay. Women are difficult to read. A study backs up that men have said all along, women, it's just tough. You can't read them. And the women agree. Ah. Researchers from Indiana University showed video clips from 24 different speed dates and asked male and female participants two simple questions. Do you think the man was interested in this woman? And do you think the woman was interested in this man? Their answers were then compared with the response or with the responses of the actual speed daters themselves. Are okay. you following? Yeah, that make I sense? do. Yeah. The results show that both men and women are able to gauge a man's interest in a woman but are equally baffled when it comes to figuring out if a woman is interested in a man. Interesting. The study's lead researcher says that the biological drive behind dating, finding an optimal mate for gene promotion, gives women reason to be elusive. Being coy forces the man to spend more time interacting with the woman because they are unsure if they have successfully courted her. Ah. Therefore, the woman has more time to gather information about her that date. totally makes sense. You judgmental chicks. <laughs> <laughs> no, at the root of this, at the whole at the root, root of this, this is women being judgmental. <laughs> no, it's not them being judgmental. But here's the, and Chris, I know that you can testify to this because we've had these conversations before, but women oftentimes don't know what they want. Like, okay, you're looking to be in a relationship. You're looking for a future husband. Wait a second. Hold on. Stop for a second. What did you, what did you just say? Women often do not uh, they know, don't know what, what they, they want. want. They know what they don't want. So they so have then to why pull... when you say what's for dinner, do you say, oh, anywhere? And I say Taco Bell and you say, no. Well, because I know you don't want. Is it that you can't learn or that you won't? (laughs) I just (laughs) know you really despise Taco Bell, so I throw it out there saying, "Help, just make a decision." So I don't. So this is, and you're you're hitting. Women don't really know what they want. You just hit the nail on the head. I don't know. I don't know what I want, but I do know I don't want Taco Bell. Okay. (laughs) Again, it just gets back to I I I have a clear perception of what I don't want. But I'm open to what I do want, and so, so they have to they have to spend time gleaning whatever they can. Gleaning, we're gleaning, gleaning we're processing, now. and we're yes. letting it all settle down in our brains, and then we decide whether that's something guys don't glean that we want. <laughs> they hork it down. <laughs> Is there a pulse on the other side of the table? Yeah, I'll take her. <laughs> And that leads me to the secret of happiness. <laughs> Number one out of our stories. Okay. The secret. The- <laughs> I don't want to lisper. Okay. <laughs> that came out of nowhere. The secret of happiness. Now, is- if I do that, people are thinking I'm mocking somebody. Um, I actually had a lisp like that when I was a kid. And you it, did. And how I became a I professional just broadcaster is a miracle. Yeah, I just. Uh, thorns and thorns. Oh, no, <laughs> And it's hard to preach out of Thessalonians, yeah. too. Yeah, reading scripture, you're a pastor, and reading scripture, you know, just like gut buster. Yeah. Sometimes you do have to pause, pause when those S's and T H's. Yeah. 
come flying I had, at you. I had a word today that I always mispronounced that I paused and pronounced. Do you remember what it was? I do remember that that happened, but I don't remember what the word was. Yeah. It, oh, it, endure. It endure. was endure. Yeah. I always say endure. Yeah. And so the Lord tells us to endure to the end. And I'm like, dude, it's not endure. It's endure. Oh, yeah, you say, dude, it's not endure. Endure. It's endure. Yeah, yeah, you say it like that. Like just this very comfortable <laughs> school mom with love in her heart and warm biscuits and gravy for all. No. Yes. Hey, don't say that is what you say. Anyway. I know what I don't want. completely off the yeah. rails now. Um, but endure, endure is coming up in... Wednesday's yes. long form teaching, you'll hear it then. All right, and back he to says the it sec- properly, so yay. Sa- you. Uh, back to the uh, secrets of happiness. Yes. The secret to happiness doesn't come from th- thinking happy thoughts. Now you got me off my game. It comes from thinking happy thoughts fast. Oh, that is a tongue twister. Here's what researchers at Princeton and Harvard <laughs> University found. Okay. Don't do a radio show with your wife. <laughs> No, here's what researchers at Princeton and Harvard University found. Results suggested that thinking fast made participants feel more elated, creative, and to a lesser degree, energetic and powerful. Activities that promote fast thinking then, such as whipping through an easy crossword puzzle or brainstorming quickly about an idea, can boost energy and mood. The researchers think that thinking quickly may unleash the brain's Novelty loving <laughs> dopamine system. Can you hear Chris enunciating each <laughs> syllable? Because I can. Good Back job. To the, let me end strong. Can I? Can I have my dignity, please? <laughs> can you endure with me to the end? <laughs> the researchers think that. Thinking quickly may unleash the brain's novelty-loving dopamine system, which is involved in sensations of pleasure and reward. That makes sense. It does make sense, but I really believe that the secret to happiness is contentment in your circumstances because you have the Lord Jesus and you're born again and payday isn't here. Payday's up there. It makes sense. Well, there's a difference between happiness and contentment or happiness and joy. Happiness comes from the word happenstance, which means which means a good feeling from the circumstances that you're in and we all know that circumstances change but things seriously? like yeah <laughs> seriously but joy and contentment those can remain regardless of what's going on around you that so is that correct is important to remember yeah turning when, to the book of psalm chapter let's 62 do it where the bible idiots eight. hit me with something it says trust in him in all times or circumstances yes oh people pour out your hearts to him for god is our refuge and for the christian for the believer when our circumstances around us get a little rocky a little janky uh we know that we can trust in him even in those shaky times yeah. and so that gives us a level of joy or comfort or confidence or perceived happiness or perceived happiness yes, yes. what else you got all right um Turning to the book of Joel, 
I like that. I haven't been in the book of Joel for a while. Chapter 3, verse 16. The Lord is a refuge for his people and a stronghold. There you go. He promises once again to be with you and uphold you. Psalm 9, 9. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. So when we feel that oppression and we see that trouble coming, we know that we do indeed have a refuge to which we can run. Chapter 55 of the book of Psalm, verse 22. It says, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. And that's what we were talking about earlier, that that mm-hmm. joy and contentment can remain. It does not have to flee with our circumstances. God is our protection and our strength. He always helps us in times of trouble. That's Psalm 46, 1. Are you catching a theme here? The, the book of Psalms is good to be in, yes, stay when, in you, it. <laughs> when you're uh, quaking a little bit. But you can also turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. I have learned... In whatever state I am in, is it, does that it say is plenty or little? circumstances. Uh, it just goes on to say to be content. Yes. Paul says, I know what it is like to have plenty and yeah. I know what it's like to be in want. Mm-hmm. And he says, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Again, that's Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. And when you have the Lord and you're content, that is the epitome of happiness. Mm. And it doesn't mean that you are just sitting there smiling and singing every right, day of right. you know every week of every month. There are ups and downs that we have, but that eternal joy, that happiness, that just you can't quantify it. The Bible calls it peace that passes all understanding. And I think that's a little deeper than some of the scientific stuff that I read, but anywho, final thoughts and we're out of here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your under, your own understanding, and he will make your path straight. And so, yeah, our, our joy and contentment, that is a gift from God, and there is no other lasting source for it. BibleIdiots.com is the website. Go there. You can support the outreach efforts. We'd really appreciate you standing with us. Also, there's an email address in the upper left-hand corner. Drop us a line. That's where we get our mailbag for Friday. On behalf of my best friend and bride, Emily, my name is Chris. Get into the Word of God today and go and serve your King.